What's up, guys? Ray here. Thank you so much for checking out the Vine Church FL podcast. This weekend, I shared part four of how to be led by the Spirit, talking about what it means to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This weekend, I spoke about having the mind of Christ. I hope you guys are edified and blessed by this message. Hope you guys can check us out. God bless you guys. Love y'all. ask you guys to open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's do that right now. And um, I'm going to share something that God put in, in my heart for today. Um, we're on the series. Um, we're doing a series right now. And it's called How to Be Led by the Spirit. Amen? How many of you guys are with me right now? Can you say amen? amen. We're on the series. It's called How to Be Led by the the Spirit. And um, this, this series that we've in, we're in, we've been here for a few weeks, and we've been talking about how we as spiritual beings need to learn how to be spirit. We need to learn how to be spirit-led. We need to learn how to grow. We need to learn how to relate with God in our spirit. So we've learned in these past weeks, and you guys should know it by now, this is already week number three of this series. You guys should know we are three parts. There are three parts to our being. Can we, can we say this? Who are we? What are we? Ready? We are a spirit that has a soul that dwells in a what? Body. Let's try that again because some of you guys were a little confused. I think Crystal was a little confused. All right, ready? Everybody, let's try this again. All right? Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. She just said it at the wrong time. Um, <laughs> all right, ready? So we are a spirit that has a soul that dwells in a body. And if you're catching us, maybe this is the first time, you're like, what in the world is going on? Um, we ha I have no idea. To me, spirit and soul are the same thing. We've been talking about how it's not the same thing. That it's different. The Bible says that the Word of God is a Word that is sharp and double-edged, able to pierce through bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Another passage of Scripture, the Bible says that the power of God is working in us, in our soul and in our spirit. It's two separate things. And so we've spoken about how we are person. The, the very essence of who we are that is called the spirit and that's who we are we are a spiritual being whether you uh, know it whether you understand that or not you are a spiritual being but last weekend was great because Jimmy shared a lot about how we are also a soul and what is a soul a soul is our it's our thinker it's our feeler it, it's our it's our decider a soul is that place where we feel it's where our emotions are held a soul is where we think. It's where our thoughts are held. Our soul is where we decide. It's where our will is held. And so we've been learning that there's a difference between this soul and spirit. And, and all of this culminates inside of a body. The body is, is in charge of, of locomotion and, and moving. But I want to continue what Jimmy was sharing yesterday about the soul. Yesterday, I'm sorry. What Jimmy was sharing last week about the soul. And I want to share a little bit more about what it means to be spirit-led. How many of you guys know that you could be a Christian, you could know Jesus, but that doesn't mean that you are spirit-led? How many of you guys are with me? You, you could be a Christian your whole life and you can know God. Doesn't mean that your decisions are guided by the Holy Spirit. But I believe that God is lifting up a generation that wants to be guided by the Holy Spirit. He's lifting up a people, His own people, that are not just led by their thoughts, their ideas, their concepts, their feelings, their, their emotions. They are led completely and 100% by the Holy Spirit of God. How many of you guys believe that? How many of you guys want to be that? Can you say amen? Amen. Come on. 
And so today I want to share from 1 Corinthians. I want to read all of 1 Corinthians. It's 16 verses. But I was trying to figure out what to share with you guys today. I had everything prepared. I already knew what I was going to share. But this morning I went to pray. And as I was praying, I asked God to speak. And, and, and God started giving me a completely different direction. And God just told me, no, this is what I want to talk to you about. And I had three points already ready for you guys about principles of how to receive revelation. But today I want to share something that's a little bit different than what I had originally planned. Amen, guys? How many of you guys are, are able to just hear from God? Amen? So let's read this together. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 1. And I'm going to read all the verses of chapter 2. So stick with me. I know we're going to read a lot of verses. But just hang on, all right? Let's read this together. Follow along. You can follow along up here, and we'll get through this together. It's going to be good. All right? Verse 1. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I decided to know nothing except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of, of spirit and of power. Verse 5, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me just take a stop here. This is so good. Paul is writing here in this letter. He's saying, I, I shared a message to you. And this message that I shared to you was not a message that had great words. It, did not, it was not a message that had great wisdom. It was a message that was full of spirit and power. Th th Paul makes this distinction that you can be moved by nice words. You can be moved by, by, by great things that happen. You can be moved by people saying intellectual things that tickles your intellectual being and that makes you feel good. And you can understand this, but Paul is saying, I did not come with you trying to convince you with good words. I came to you simply depending on the Spirit and power. Are you guys with me? Amen? And it was so crazy because um, before we were doing worship, Hoffa came to pray over me. And Alpha was praying, and, and the very thing that he prayed on was this. And it was, it was crazy because I was thinking about preaching on this verse, and Alpha prayed, and he said, listen, that you would preach not with words and eloquence, but you would preach with spirit and power. It is the Holy Spirit that moves to you. So I think that's wonderful because that just confirms this. Verse 6, Yet among the mature, we do not impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. How many of you guys have ever read this verse? Can you say amen? It's a good verse, right? It's a good verse, right? How many of you guys have ever used this verse in your, in your life? Like, no ear has heard, no eye has seen, nor any person ever imagined what God has for us. It's so good. It's so mystery. Oh my God. Nobody could ever imagine. Nobody could ever see. Nobody could ever hear. How many of you guys have ever seen that, heard that sermon before, heard that preaching before? Amen? And it's nice, but I don't want to burst your bubble. But let's go to the next verse. 
But as it is written, no, what has no eye, nor ear, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who, who love him. Next verse. For these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So you know when somebody says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, you're going to say, yes, eyes have seen. Yes, ears have heard. Yes, our heart has imagined. Because we use this verse, and it's, it's a pretty verse, it's a nice verse, but the Bible says, these things God has already revealed to us through His Spirit. It's good, right? So we can't use that verse anymore saying nobody has ever seen or heard. We have to say, no, these things have been revealed to us already by the power of the Spirit. Let's go to verse 11. For, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. If you're spiritual, say amen. amen. If you don't feel spiritual, say amen anyways. Amen? Next verse. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. This is so good. For, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Can, can we just read this right now together? Everybody together. I'm going to count to three and we're going to read this verse. Ready? One, two, three. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen? I could stop preaching right now and it would be good enough for us to leave. Amen? But let's, let's, let's try to go a little bit deeper in this word. Can you bow your heads? Can you close your eyes right now? And let's pray together. So everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, this is your word. This is your word and it's clear to us. Jesus, that it's not by power, it's not by might, it's not by wisdom, it's not by good words, it's not by our, our eloquence, it's not by our capacity, it's not by our gifting, it's not by our teaching, it's not by any of these things, Jesus. It is by your Spirit and by your power, Jesus, that we are transformed, Holy Spirit. We're not transformed with great words, Jesus. We're transformed, Holy Spirit, by your power, Jesus. And so, Jesus, we just pray right now, God, that you could begin to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we depend on you. Holy Spirit, we trust in you. Holy Spirit, we, we only can be here and receive and grow and transform if the Word comes from You, Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come with power. Come with manifestation. Holy Spirit, come with Your goodness and Your grace to us this morning and transform our lives. Can you extend your hands to, to me right now? And can you just pray over my life right now? Maybe you're not used to this, but just pray anyways. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, speak through, through Ray's life. Holy Spirit, speak through His life so that He might bring us revelation 
and He might bring us goodness. Come on, guys. You guys can just pray for me. I'm just going to receive for a second. Jesus, come on. I just receive all these prayers right now, Jesus. I receive these words, Jesus. I ask, Jesus, that it could not be, Jesus, my words here this morning, but it could be, Jesus, Your power manifested. Holy Spirit, we ask for goodness. We ask for kindness. We ask for depth. We ask for revelation. We ask for simplicity. We ask for power. In Your holy name, Jesus, it's what we're praying for. It's what we're declaring. In Your name we pray. And everybody says Amen, guys. Come on, everybody says Amen. 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 I don't know if you guys, some of you guys are a little bit tired because we had an encounter. Um, Yesterday we did an encounter with our church and it was amazing. We had um, almost 30 people signing up for the encounter. It was amazing. And we had the manifestation of God, baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was so great. So many testimonies we are already receiving. The words were powerful. Everything worked out perfectly. It was smoothly. We ended before 4 o'clock, which is a miracle in itself. And it was glorious and it was great. And God is so, so good. And so we're so excited. And, And maybe you're tired, but I ask you, Open up your spirit to receive something from God. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to minister to us this morning. Amen, guys? Amen. I want to talk to you guys about this passage. I want to talk to you guys about how to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I only have a few minutes, but I'm not going to try to be complicated today, complex. But this morning, I was meditating on this passage. And I was meditating on what it means. And this last part of this this word, this this whole chapter is so precious, in my opinion. But the Bible says in this last part, it's really what would begin to speak to me. The, the, the verse 9, verse 10, and then verse 15 and verse 16. The Bible says in the end, verse 16, it says, But who has the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. And like I've been saying, we've been talking about how to be led by the Holy Spirit. And last week, Jimmy was sharing on on our soul and what it means to have our soul. Your soul is where you you feel. Your soul is where you think. Your soul is where you you process things. It's where you make decisions. It's in your soul. But your soul is not who you are. You are a spirit. And you relate with God in your spirit. And so one of the things that we have to start to understand is that our soul is great. Jimmy said this last week. Our soul is a great, it's a wonderful servant. But it is a horrible, terrible master. It is a horrible, terrible master. Turn to the person next to you and say, your soul is a wonderful servant. But it's a terrible master. Tell that person. Why is that? Have you ever met those people? How many guys here this morning? Have you ever met those people who are emotional roller coasters? Has anybody ever met one of those people? Some people who are extremely happy and excited and everything is going great and they're doing wonderful and it seems like they're they're having the best day of their lives and then out of nowhere, and it goes down and they're extremely sad and angry and upset and they're ready to fight somebody and they're ready to do something bad and say something nasty to someone and it's, and it's just up and down. I love roller coasters. I love roller coasters. I love them. 
I, I go on them. I feel great after them. There are people who, who don't feel great after them. I've learned my lesson. I used to try to beg and take everyone with me. I found out that there's some people who are just not created for roller coasters. I remember taking somebody with me on a roller coaster and him leaving the roller coaster, sticking his head in the side of a trash can and just throwing up because it, he wasn't born for that. But I love it. But let me tell you something. I do not love emotional roller coasters. I do not love emotional roller coasters. And it's, it's, it's very difficult for my life to have moments of emotional roller coasters. And honestly, let's be real here. How many of you guys love to deal with people who are emotional roller coasters? It's, it's difficult, right? You have moments that everything is going great. You have moments where everything is going terrible. And, and, and let's be honest. We all have those friends, if we are not them, we have those friends who are emotional roller coasters. We have those friends who are stable for a little bit and then they have really great highs and then they have really deep lows and then they have really great highs and they have really deep lows. Somebody told me some advice one time. They said this. They said if somebody just jumps into something super fast, be careful because they might just jump out of something super fast as well. And, and, and it was a word of wisdom and I, and I always took this. If somebody shoots up in excitement, be careful so that they don't shoot down in disappointment real fast as well. And so the Bible teaches us that our soul as a master, it's not great because we're all human. How many of you guys have ever been hurt by somebody here? Anybody ever been hurt by somebody? You don't have to raise your hand because I know it's everyone. How many of you guys have ever been disappointed by somebody here? And you don't have to raise your hand because I know it's everyone. How many of you guys have ever been frustrated by somebody here? You don't have to raise your hand again because I know it's everyone. I know everyone goes through this. And what does your emotions do? Let's be, let's be real. Some of you were driving here this morning and somebody cut you off and you were having the best day of your life. It was the greatest morning. You were like, this chilly weather is amazing. Look at the sun. It's coming out. Everything seems perfect. And somebody cut you off. And from that moment on, your whole morning was over. You were, you, were, you were driving past them. You did something that you shouldn't have done. You gave them a sign with your hands that you shouldn't have given them while you were cutting them off. And you got here and you were feeling condemned saying, man, I just got to church, but why did I do that? And there's some things that are impulsive. There, our feelings, they try, to, they try to command us and control us. They try to dictate us. They try to drive us. But how many of you guys know that your soul, the Bible says this, be renewed in the transforming of your soul. You know what that means? It means that your soul needs transformation. So can you say that with me right now? Can you say, my soul needs transformation? I'm sorry to break that to some of you guys here this morning. Some of you guys don't, are like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. But, but my soul needs transformation. Your soul needs transformation. The Bible says that we are to be transformed in our soul. We need to have our soul consistently shaped. That means that your soul can't determine the course of your life. And let me tell you something, your soul and what you do with your soul will determine the course of your life. It will determine the course of your life. What you allow your soul to do, what you allow your soul will determine. The, let me tell you something, this is the order it goes in. Your thoughts will dictate your actions, your actions will dictate your habits, and your habits will dictate your destiny. I don't know if some of you guys got that, so I'll repeat it. Your thoughts will dictate your, your actions. Your actions will, will dictate your habits. And your habits will dictate your destiny. Do you know what makes somebody have a successful future, a successful destiny in their life? Many times, it's the habits they have. But you know what causes somebody to have good habits? When they take consistent good actions. 
But you know what causes us to make actions? Our thoughts. Our thoughts lead our actions. If you believe that you will not achieve anything in your life, you will not achieve anything in your life. If you believe you will not make it, let me tell you, you will not make it. It doesn't matter if, if a prophet comes to you and tells you, hey, you're going to make it. It doesn't matter if the Word of God tells you that you are going to make it. Let me tell you something. If you don't believe in the Word of God that tells you you're going to make it, you're not going to make it. Your thoughts will determine the path of your life. Your thoughts will determine what you think will determine the course of your entire life. That's why I love it when people are able to step out in faith. Because that means that they've had a transformed thoughts. Their, their mind has been transformed. Their thoughts have been transformed. That's what it means. Because if you look at, at people who say, no, I think this way, but their actions are not following, sometimes that's a demonstration that maybe their, their, their actions are not responding to the thoughts that are in their mind. Are you guys with Is everybody with me still? Amen? This last, I think last week, two weeks ago, I was talking to, to, to David, and, and um, we, were, we were speaking, and he was telling me about some of the things that he's doing, some of his goals, and some of the things he's going to jump into in his future. And he was like, bro, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know how you guys, you guys know David? He's like, bro, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to happen. It's kind of like taking a step of faith. And I was like, bro, if that's what God is leading you to do, and you feel peace, and you want that, and it's something that you enjoy, go for it. Because a lot of times, our thoughts, they, they trick us out of entering into our destinies. A lot of times, our minds trick us out of being able to experience everything. How many of you guys have ever been excited about something, like really excited, and then your thoughts started speaking to you, and you said, oh, maybe that's not really what I'm supposed to do. How many of you guys have ever thought something in your head and, and, and you, you started to, 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 to believe something and you were like excited about it and then somebody came and inserted thoughts into your head and then you started thinking, maybe that's not really how it is. How many of you have ever been so excited about Jesus, so excited about sharing the gospel and then another Christian came and started raining on your parade and you thought, maybe I'm just weird. I remember that. I remember when in the beginning of, of my Christian walk, it was crazy because I remember that I was so hungry for God in, in the moment really when I encountered God and I started coming to, to, to services and I really just decided this is what I want for my life. I remember I was so hungry and I wanted to pray for people and I wanted to go and talk to people and, and, and share the gospel and, and pray for the sick. And I remember other believers coming and saying, hey, it's not always going to work out, so it's okay. I remember people saying, hey, that's, that's good, but don't do it too much. I remember other people discouraging me and other believers who were supposed to edify my faith. Instead of edifying my faith, they inserted thoughts into my mind that actually made me feel worse about my faith and more complacent about my faith. How is that possible that as a church, instead of building each other's faith up, sometimes we tear each other's faith down? How is it that I start to preach my experiences over the reality of the truth of the Word of God and then my experiences determine what I make of the Word of God? So you say, oh, if we pray for somebody sick, they will be healed. And then you pray for somebody sick and it doesn't happen. So then you say, this must mean something else because I tried praying and nobody was healed. 
But aren't we transforming the Word of God to fit into our life and our thoughts instead of transforming our thoughts and our life into fitting into the Word of God? Is it easier for me to just say, this must mean something else, instead of me saying, maybe I need to change my thoughts and my ideas and my feelings and my emotions to fit in to what the Creator of the universe wrote here? Isn't it possible that maybe, just maybe, the person who created everything knows a little bit more than we do? Yeah. Are you guys with me still? Please, I promise, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to take too long. I, I don't want this, this word to be, to be heavy or anything. I want this word to produce likeness, and I promise we're going to get there. Um, you know, Jimmy was saying last, last week, it was a great word, um, about the soul. I love talking about the soul. I really do. I love talking about it because I'm in the process of transformation and I received it. One of the things that I think is most important, most wonderful about the soul is that the Bible itself, the Word of God, teaches us some insight into how to deal with the soul. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, if you've ever realized this, but the Bible teaches us how to deal with the soul. And one of the, my favorite scriptures about how to deal with the soul is one, I think Jimmy mentioned it last week, it was the one that David writes, I think it's Psalm 121, if I'm not mistaken. And um, Psalm 121, if I'm not mistaken, it begins with David saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I think that right there is one of the most impactful, powerful verses in Scripture that you will ever read. And it gives you so much insight. Because David, he's, he's, he's writing these words, and you can read it and you can think, Oh, look how cute. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And you can look at it and say, oh, it's so wonderful. Look, it's so nice. You can say, it would probably make a good song. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, no, it makes a great song. Look how nice this is. But you would miss the point of what David is actually speaking about. You would miss the point of what's the actual intention of that song. That David is in a conflict in that moment with himself. And his soul is upset. His soul is angry. His soul has gone through some hard times. And how many of us have gone through some hard times here? Can you say amen? His soul is going through that. His soul is going through those tough moments, those tough situations. And David's soul is telling him, in other words, he's saying, the Lord is probably not with you. His soul is probably telling him in that moment, his mind is probably saying, God is not good. His, his soul in that mind is thinking, you're not actually this favored. His soul in that moment is probably thinking, you're, you're not actually going to make it. His soul is probably in that moment fighting and struggling. His soul is saying, God doesn't actually want to bless you. you. You talk about it, but this isn't really going to happen in your life specifically. It's for everybody else. It's for you to preach, but you're not actually going to live what you preach, David. That's probably what his soul is telling him. Look how crazy. David's anointed king, and now everything is horrible. It's crashing in around him. And he's probably thinking, his soul's probably thinking, that guy was crazy. He anointed you. He didn't know what he was talking about. You're not actually going to live this. You're not actually going to follow these promises. You're just tripping, David. You're crazy. You're crazy. I don't know about you guys, but I struggle with thoughts like this a lot. With moments where I'm just like, I'm crazy. <laughs> We're, we're in moments where I'm like, dude, what did I get myself into? Bill Johnson, he, he says this. He's like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I became a pastor. Now I'm here and it's too late for me to go back. 
Sometimes I feel like that. I think, I don't know what I got myself into. Is everything okay? See? These are the moments when I say, I don't know what I got myself into as a pastor. <laughs> I don't know what I got myself into. Amen. Glory to Jesus. And there's moments when, when you, 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 you have those moments of, 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 of doubt and they come against you. And, and David's soul is probably saying all of these things to him. David's soul is probably telling David, you're not good enough. God doesn't really love you. David's, David's soul is probably telling him, you failed. You failed as a parent. Think about everything that David went through. His kids killed each other. His soul is saying, you failed as a parent. Think about everything that David went through. David, David's soul is probably saying, you're not a good husband. David's soul is probably telling him, you are a murderer. You are a liar. How could you say that you are close to God? How can you write these psalms about being close to God? How can you say that God has forgiven all of your iniquities and passed over your trespasses? David, how can you say these things? That's probably what David's soul is saying. But you know what's wonderful about all of this? That David, he writes it anyways. And he writes what he's experiencing. And David writes this. He writes, Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know what's interesting about that? That's not a suggestion. That is a command. It's David commanding his own soul. He's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's saying, O my soul, you are going to bless God no matter what. He's giving a command to his own feelings. And he's saying, feelings, no matter what you are going through, no matter what you are thinking, you are going to stop what you're doing right now and you're going to start blessing the Lord. Is anybody with me? Is anybody, I think that would be a good moment for you guys to say amen. You know what the problem is with us? Sometimes we don't tell our soul to bless the Lord in the hard moments. But let me tell you something. Sometimes what you need to do in the toughest moments of your life is not to let your soul command you. It's to shut your soul up and say, soul, you will bless the Lord. It's to say, shut up my feelings, shut up my thoughts, shut up everything. All I'm going to do is bless the Lord right now. That's what I think worship is so powerful. Because I was here, a million things going through my mind, a million problems that I need to resolve, a million things that I need to get done, and I'm thinking about all these different things. And then Crystal started singing, and she started saying, you know, stop striving, stop striving. And I started singing, I don't have to strive. I don't have to strive. And as I was singing, I was telling my soul, bless the Lord. As I was singing, I was telling my soul, listen, stop striving. The grace of God is sufficient in your life. He has done everything. He is good and He is powerful and He is wonderful in your life. Sometimes you need to tell your soul how good God is to remind your soul who God is and not look at your problems. We look at our problems sometimes and we show God, God, look at my problems. But you need to get your problems sometimes and say, problem, look at my God. Look at who I serve. Oh, my soul, you feel this certain way? Let me tell you something. Start blessing God even when you're feeling that way. Start blessing God even when you're going through the hard things. Start blessing God. But how do you do that? By letting your mind be transformed. And this is where I want to get to today. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 16, it says this, But he 
who is spiritual judges all things, and he himself is not judged by anyone. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? I was reading this and I, and I didn't get it. I didn't understand. So I went through six different translations trying to understand verse 16. Six different translations. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And I started thinking, what is this talking about? Is this talking about Jesus instructing God? Is this talking about us instructing Jesus? Is this talking about us instructing God? What is verse 16 talking about? It's saying, who has the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And I started realizing something in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Put, put it there for me. Chapter 2, verse 16. Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I started thinking, what is this talking? Is this saying that we can instruct God? And I said, this can't possibly be saying this. This can't possibly be saying that we instruct God. So why does it seem like this? And so I went in another translation, and then I went in another translation, and then I went in another translation, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the Greek. And so I just got the Greek Bible, and I just started reading the Greek Bible, trying to understand who has the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him. And I started understanding something. The, the, best, the best version that, that made the most sense and made things clear to me was called the Passion Translation of the Bible. In the Passion Translation of the Bible, it says this. In the Passion Translation of the Bible, it says, And everything I thought taught you is so that... Let me see if I'm off the wrong verse. 1 Corinthians 2. All right. It says this. For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord, Yahweh, enough to become His counselor? Christ has. This is what the Bible is saying. It's saying, who has ever known God in such a way that he was able to counsel God? Who has ever known God in such a way that he was able to talk to God and relate to God? He was co-equal with God. Who has ever, ever, ever been able to understand the things of God? And the Bible says, one person has Jesus Christ. One person has, I got one amen. One person has been able to understand the mind of Jesus, and it, the mind of God, and it is Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? That means that, that there's only one person who knows the mysteries of God. We read this just a few verses ago. The Bible says that who knows the mysteries of God? Who knows what no eye has seen? Who knows what no ear has heard? Who, who knows what no imagination has imagined? Who knows these things, the Bible says. Then God goes on and he continues. He, he finishes. Paul finishes. He says one person knows, and that's Jesus Christ. One person knows all of those things, and it's Jesus Christ. And I think that's wonderful. That's great. But the verse continues, and it goes on, and it says this. Who has known the mind of God that instruct him? And then it says, Christ has. But then it goes on and it ends with this part, which is great. And, and the worship team can come up. It says... It ends with this word. It says, but you have the mind of Christ. But you have the mind of Christ. 